Hello and welcome to Empire Sports Talk. I am your host, Roman Gennaro, and let's get started. We've been off the air for a few weeks as we've been traveling. We uh, were up in uh, St. Louis at Bush Stadium enjoying that great city. You probably saw a few of our social media posts about being at Bush Stadium. It was a great experience. If you haven't been to St. Louis, I recommend you go. I wanted to kick off the show before we get into the meat of it by mentioning that we lost two giants in sports this last week in uh, Bill Russell and Vin Scully. And Bill Russell was the greatest winner that the NBA and possibly sports has ever seen. And you could say, oh, well, there were only, you know, so many teams back then, whatever the case. But you can't you can't ignore 11 titles in any sport, regardless of era. And so basketball lost a, li- a literal giant this week. But the one that hit close to home for me, as you can tell by my shirt, was the loss of Vin Scully. He was the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years before retiring in 2016. And he passed away this last week at the age of 94. And he was not only a giant in the game of baseball, but in sports. I think all around the sports landscape, if you ask players and GMs and coaches and anyone involved alike who the best broadcaster was, Vin Scully would be at the top of their list, if not the number one. His voice, his storytelling, his kindness, his love for the game was beyond explanation and beyond description. And for me, growing up as a kid who fell in love with baseball, Vin Scully was a huge part of that. From, from the games that I would watch on TV to the voice of the video games that I played growing up, Vin Scully was baseball. And when I was 12 years old, I knew that I wanted to do sports broadcasting because of how Vin made it look, because of how he made it sound, because of the love that he showed for what he did. And so I have been a huge Vin Scully fan my entire life, and I hoped one day to meet him, but unfortunately that was not in the cards. But I thank him for everything he did for not only the game of baseball, but the game of broadcast journalism and for sports as a whole, and he will be sorely missed. Uh, 94 years is a long life, but when when you have a man, when you have a soul... When you have a human like Vin Scully, it doesn't seem like long enough. All right, let's jump right in. Um, We have a lot to cover since I've been off the air for a few weeks, so we're going to be bouncing around from what's happened the last couple of weeks on this episode. The first thing I want to talk about is the situation in Cleveland, and not necessarily centering around Deshaun Watson, but I want to talk about what's happening on the field for Cleveland. Trading Baker Mayfield to Carolina, only to end up in the situation they're in now, is the most Cleveland Browns thing that could have happened. It is right on brand for this organization. Ever since they came back into the NFL in 1998, it's been a mess. It's been a circus. And they they finally found some stability at the quarterback position, with Baker Mayfield. They were winning games. They were trending upward after a decade and a half of 
a quarterback carousel of coaches who who weren't long tenured of no stability whatsoever. They draft Baker Mayfield and he actually seems to enjoy playing there. And they start winning and they start getting some of the high profile names like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. and Jadavion Clowney and they even win a playoff game against Pittsburgh. But now they went and as everyone knows, they went and traded for Deshaun Watson, and it very publicly did not make Baker very happy. The one stabilizing force this franchise has had in their second tenure in the NFL, they made him unhappy. And so trading him away in favor of a quarterback who is embattled with these allegations, who may not play this year, did not play last year, and if the NFL, the NFL is in the process of appealing the six-game suspension that was handed down, they're looking for longer. It could be at least the full season. If they finally get him back next year, he won't have played in two years. So trading away Baker Mayfield for Deshaun Watson, only to not have him for possibly the next year or longer, depending on what on, on what is decided in the NFL appeal process. And then putting it, putting their season in the hands of Jacoby Brissett is the most Cleveland Browns thing that could happen. There are certain there are certain sports franchises that when misfortune finds them, or they make a misstep when there was al- almost a non-miss there, that you expect that. And that has been the Cleveland Browns for the better part of the last 20 years. And they finally find some stability with Baker Mayfield. Say what you will about Baker off the field, but he enjoyed playing there. He he helped them win games, which they weren't accustomed to since they came back into the NFL. But now they've traded they've they've they angered him and traded him away for a player that has not played in a year, probably will not play this year, and their backup plan is Jacoby Brissett, who is a solid quarterback, but he's he's been a career backup in this league. And so Trading away Baker for Deshaun Watson when Deshaun Watson was very much not in the clear to play makes so much sense for Cleveland that it is ridiculous. Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal recently signed lucrative extensions to stay with their respective clubs, Portland and Washington. And to me... And the response to those two signings revealed a major double standard in in the culture of the NBA. Not just among fans, but among fellow players as well. Bradley Beal signed a five-year, $251 extension to stay with Washington. Damian Lillard signed a two-year, $122 million extension to stay with Portland. And what I noticed... After that, to see these superstars stay home, stay in their small market teams, is we really only have two narratives when it comes to loyalty or when it comes to contract situations and mobility in the NBA. When Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard signed these extensions, the overwhelming sentiment for both of them was, oh, they must not care a lot about winning because they're they're securing themselves into 
less than stellar situations on teams that aren't prepared to win. They must not care about winning. They must not care about winning championships. They must not care about their legacy as, as, as great players. But if, for instance, Damian Lillard had demanded a trade to the Lakers or Bradley Beal had demanded a trade to the Celtics, we would have said loyalty means nothing to them. They're chasing the bag. They're chasing the ring. They want the money. And before you jump to, you don't know what you're talking about, saying they, they stayed loyal long enough, think about it. What are the two things you hear most when it comes to player mobility? They, they stay loyal. They don't care about winning. They change teams. They're ring chasing. That is what we hear day in and day out in these situations. But what do we want? in that situation. Bradley Beal likes Washington. Damian Lillard loves Portland. They are fixtures in the community beyond basketball. They help the community. They are involved. They have families. Maybe they don't want to uproot their families. Damian Lillard wears the number zero to remind him where he came from. From Oakland, California to Oregon and a few stops in between. It represents the O, and he's had songs and albums from his music career with the title O or Zero, because that is how ingrained in him it is. But I even heard J.R. Smith on a podcast not too long ago say, is Damian Lillard just going to rot in Portland? Like, no, he's not, he's not rotting. He's hopeful that his team, that his franchise will see his loyalty and say, we have to build around this guy. Washington is, is in the conversation for Bradley Beal. Washington is at least in the conversation for Kevin Durant. It might not be the most likely of destinations, but they're in the conversation. Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard are hopeful that their franchises will reward their loyalty and build around them. But the other side of the coin of that is, Washington and Portland are both small market teams with lower payrolls. And if, if Lillard's taking up 122 of that, or if Bradley Beal's taking up 251 of that, it's going to be hard to add the Kevin Durants or to add other big-name players that can get you over that hump. Now, if we saw anything from the... De- from the debacle in L.A., big-name players don't equal wins. I saw a stat the other day. The Lakers had the worst win percentage all-time, or the lowest number of wins all-time of teams that had that many All-Stars on it. So big names don't necessarily equal wins. It's all about chemistry, and you can find chemistry, and you can find wins other ways. Uh, look at Moneyball, the movie, as an example of how the Oakland Athletics succeeded without many big names. But it's gonna, I feel like it's going to be hard because of these massive contracts to build around Beal and Lillard because it's not the Lakers, it's not the Celtics, it's not the Knicks. They don't have payroll on payroll on payroll to go out and grab basically anybody they want to. You just have to hope that people want to play with Bradley Beal. People want to play with Damian Lillard enough to say, yeah, I'll go, I'll go play there. But what Damian Lillard, what the Damian Lillard contract says to me is there was a lot of talk 
about him this last year when Portland seemingly was mailing it in by trading C.J. McCollum and trading a lot of the pieces that they had, that Lillard had finally had enough. And while Lillard has been around for 10, 11 years, and he's, he doesn't have 10 more in him, he didn't sign a five-year deal like Bradley Beal did. Like Bradley Beal did. He signed a two-year deal. He's telling Portland, I will give you two years to build around me. And if you don't, my loyalty will wear out. He's telling Portland that this is their last chance. He's, he's remaining loyal, but he's not stupid. He's saying this is your last chance. So if that, I fully believe 100% that if that two-year contract runs out and they are not in a position to win a championship, Damon Lillard will finally seek out the Lakers, the Celtics, the 76ers. And finally say, I gave you 13, 14 years. And we were one game from the Western Conference Finals. And that's as far as we got. So while Bradley Beal's five-year gives, gives Washington a little more time, Damian Lillard's two-year is a ticking clock. And the longer Portland waits to build around him, that ticking will get louder and faster. One interesting thing that happened... This la- in these last couple weeks to me was the Kyler Murray extension with to stay with the Arizona Cardinals. The extension itself wasn't a surprise because he's a talented quarterback. But it was a, it was it was very big for talent. Through the first 11 12 weeks of the season last year, Arizona was the best team in the NFL. Then they did not finish as strongly and quickly exited the playoffs, which some could see as a disappointment considering how their season started. So I don't really think Kyler Murray has proven that much yet. He had his best season last year, but the team faded. I don't think he's proven $230 million worth. And I feel like now... In terms of these big contracts, we're moving away from prove it. And we're we're moving into I want to be the highest paid at my position because I'm good. Or I wanna or 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 from a front office standpoint, we want our guy to be the highest paid at their position to show our commitment or to show that that we are a win now. But are you really a win now if you're committing money to a player who is good but hasn't proven anything yet? That's the same thing I would have said when Kirk Cousins became briefly became the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. It's like, why? He he doesn't play well in big games. Why why commit to him when he's an slightly above average quarterback in my opinion? And I'm not saying that Kyler Murray is slightly above average. But Kyler Murray has proven that he can be great, but with the roller coaster season last year and the early playoff exit. That's all he's proven that he can be great. And so that puts pressure on him and the Cardinals organization. They might want it to look like commitment, look like confidence, but what it really looks like is pressure. And speaking of pressure, one of the caveats originally in the deal And keep in mind that Kyler Murray signed the deal knowing that this was in it. Arizona wanted Kyler Murray to commit to a certain amount of time in the film room. 
I believe it was four hours a week watching film, preparing, improving. And the reaction to that was less than stellar. The media said, well, is, is, is something wrong in Arizona? Does Kyler Murray not prepare? Does, does, you know, is he more focused on the flash and not the substance? Is he not who we think he is? Is he lazy? All these things came out when it was discovered that there was a film clause in Kyler Murray's contract that he signed. And I blame the media for what happened next because it was all this media noise. Arizona, the Cardinal organization didn't say anything about why it was in there. They didn't, they, they, they didn't say anything about why that clause was in the contract or the fact that maybe Kyler needed to watch more. In fact... Cliff Kingsbury himself defended Kyler Murray's preparation to the media saying he's one of the hardest working people on the team. But the media speculation and the rumors surrounding why was this clause in the contract did not make Kyler Murray happy. And Kyler Murray made a statement that some might have thought was aimed at the Cardinals organization, but it was clear to me that it was aimed at the media. And basically he said, how dare you think that I don't prepare? How dare you think that I don't study and that I don't work hard for this team? And the backlash from that contract clause caused Arizona to remove it. So there's no longer a film, a, a, a film clause in Kyler Murray's contract. But my problem with that is, well, first of all, contract details should never be made public. What, what is decided between an organization and their player is not the media's business it's not the fans business so the fact that the that the film clause was made public was the first problem the second problem i have is there was obviously something going on in in the organization there was something going on internally that led the cardinals to put that clause in kyler's contract and for all we know, that could be in everyone's contract because watching film is part of getting better. It's part of analyzing your opponents. It's part of preparing for your games. So, so there could be a lot more film clauses in contracts than we know about. But because this one was made public, it caused a big stir. There, but there was obviously something going on within the organization that made it necessary to be included in the contract. And an organization is perfectly within their rights to include anything they want to in the contract. They can they can they can put a curfew if they want to. They can put dietary restrictions if they want to. It's within their rights to put whatever they want in a contract. And it's the player's choice to sign it or not. So before he signed it, Kyler Murray knew of the film of the film clause. He knew that they wanted him to spend four hours a week watching film and, 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 and preparing. And he signed it anyway. So obviously he didn't have a problem with it at first until the media started questioning his work ethic and started questioning his leadership, which prompted Arizona to remove the clause. Not only does this make the media look bad because they, they made stories up about why this existed, but to me, it makes the Arizona Cardinals organization look weak 
because they they bowed to pressure from the media and the media caused an issue which angered their quarterback which prompted them to remove a, a clause that he had already agreed to this was already in the contract that he signed but for Arizona to not stand by what they were asking of their quarterback of the face of their franchise of the future of their franchise it makes them look weak it makes them look like hey you know what we we believed in something for our team we believed in a direction and a, and a standard for our team. But because a few news outlets made up stories and angered our quarterback, we were just going to say forget it. That does not spell confidence within that organization. Not of Kyler, because I believe he does work hard. You, you don't get to be as skilled and as accomplished. You don't win the Heisman Trophy by luck. You don't get picked the number one overall pick by luck and not not to mention that he was also a first round pick in the MLB draft that's not luck you don't you don't luck into that you don't get there from blind skill you put in work but for Arizona to pull back the claws it doesn't it doesn't make them look good it doesn't make them look like a strong, confident franchise in in themselves, not in Kyler, in in themselves. You'd never see the Yankees or the Cowboys or the Lakers pull back a clause for a young player. If Arizona thought that this was something that needed to be in the contract for whatever reason, whether there are multiple players that have these in, in their contracts that we don't know about, whatever the reason, Arizona was perfectly in their rights to to require their players to do whatever they think they need their players to do and 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 to bail on certain standards because some some loud media outlets with a keyboard and a microphone questioned it i just think it looks weak that's all i have for you this week on empire sports talk follow us on socials our new twitter handle is empire sports pod and you can Listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And that's all I have for you. This has been Roman Gennaro signing off.